Father, we thank you for uh, this morning, and, and we pray, Lord, that, um, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts this morning, that you'd encourage us in the things of the Lord, that you'd encourage us to trust you, to believe in you, uh, to put our faith in you, Lord. And so we give you our hearts, Lord, and, and our prayer is shape us and mold us so that we uh, could be more like Christ, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. When we come to John chapter 14, don't want to do a, a rewind from last week, but when we come to John chapter 14, John chapter 14 is set in a single night. It's Thursday night. Jesus and the disciples are up in the upper room, and the next day, Jesus is going to appear before Pontius Pilate. He's going to go to the cross, and in the next day, less than 24 hours from here, Jesus is going to be giving up his life on the cross as an atoning sacrifice uh, for our sins. And so, to understand chapter 14, you have to take it in its context. So chapter 13, chapter 14, 15, 16, and almost all of 17, all of that, say, upper room discourse or Jesus's farewell conversation with his boys, all of those things happens in that, in that one night. And so we look at it like taking out a chapter and we know the end of the story. But the disciples, they didn't know the end of the story. And so when we come to the, our text and we pick up John chapter 14 again, we come to verse 4, and, it's, and John helps us to capture uh, Thomas's words to Jesus. And Thomas says, and you know the way to where I am going. Or Jesus says, and you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going how can we know the way? And what's happening in the text is that their worst fears are being realized. They've known Jesus. They've seen him. They've lived with him. They've touched him. They've ate together. For three and a half years, Jesus has provided all of their needs, They're, along with a group of women, provided all of their needs their housing, their food. Uh, matter of fact, at, at one point, I remember in the Gospels that he even paid their taxes out of cast that line into the sea and out comes a fish and in the fish's mouth is a what? Coin and he pays the taxes. Now, we could use that kind of Jesus on April 15th. And he provides for all of their needs and the thematically... Jesus says that I'm leaving. And that's all of chapter 13. Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I love you. I'm leaving, and I want to model that love for you. And in the midst of that, the disciples' lives are totally undone. He says, one of you is going to betray me, chapter 13. He says to Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times, the end of chapter 13. 
And then we get to John chapter 14, and he says this. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. It's the indicative. You, 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 you do believe in God. And Jesus says, believe in me. And in that verse, what we see is that there is a call to faith. There's a call to believe. And the crisis that the disciples are in is that the crisis is, is what, they, what they have trusted in, what they had seen, he's leaving. And there's a transition that's going to happen in their life. They're no longer going to see Jesus. They're no, no longer going to have lunch with him. They're no longer going to walk the roads with him. And what Jesus is doing is helping the disciples make a transition from what is seen to what is what? Unseen. And that whole transition involves or could be summarized in one word. And that one word is faith. Have you ever gone through, it's kind of a silly question to ask because I, I know the answer for all of us, but have you ever gone through a transition in your life? In other words, you completed one part of your life and you're moving on to the next. Nancy and I are going to celebrate that transition in our life as that we were, we were two single peeps and we made a transition to get married, which required an element of what? Faith. We never lived with each other. We had known each other for a couple years. But every major decision in life requires an element of faith. Like over the next couple of months, I'm going to or participate in or officiate in six marriages. And there's going to be a lot of transition happening in people's lives. And no matter how well you know the person, it requires a what? It requires a step of faith. All of us will face a time in our life. No one can travel the journey with us, but there'll be a time in our life where we let go of what is seen and have faith in John chapter 14, 1 through 3, that he's gone ahead to prepare a place for us. All of life and our transitions in life requires an element of faith. And this is the great crisis in the disciples' lives. Now, to kind of parse it all together, take a look at chapter 14, verse 5 again. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Now, come with me to John chapter 16. And you can begin, when we look at John chapter 16, the second part of verse 4, we can begin to see that what Jesus is doing is that he's bringing the disciples to a place where they can let go of what they see, let go of what they can trust, and to put their faith and trust in what they don't see and in doing so, the troubled hearts that they have will find its remedy. Look at chapter 16 with me 
and the end of verse 4. Jesus says this, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was what? I was with you. You could see me. You could trust me. You could put your faith in me. And then Jesus goes on, but now I am going to him who sent me, and, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, what does the text say? Sorrow, Sorrow has filled your heart. And that, these verses are an awesome summary of chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, because it explains to us the purpose that Jesus is doing, which is to transition them from a place of seeing Christ to a place of faith and trust of the Father and what the Father's going to do. And we all live in that place. We all live in that place of trusting a God we can't see. And so how do we live this life? How do we live life with with confidence? How do we live life with peace? Well, Paul expresses it in Galatians 2.20, the second part of verse 20. He says, the life I live now, I live by what? By faith, because God, what? Has given me, given up his life because he loves me. Come back to John 16 with me. He says, but now I am going to him. This is the crisis This is the crisis of faith of the disciples. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? Verse 6, but because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so here's the crutch of the matter. Jesus loves his disciples. We're in this same place. Jesus has gone to the Father. It's to our advantage that he went back to the Father. Why? Because when Jesus walked the face of the earth with his disciples, he laid aside all the glory and prerogatives of God, Philippians chapter 2, humbled himself, became a servant, And he only could relate to them just like I relate to you. You know, one-on-one and defined by a particular space and a particular time. But the advantage that the disciples are going to get is that uh, when Jesus goes back to the Father, he sends the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit into the lives of believers so that we're not an orphan and we're never alone and we have God's presence with us 24-7. And that's where we live today. That's where, when we're transitioning in life, whether we're going to get married or we're graduating high school and we're going to move on to college or whether we're transitioning out of uh, one job to another or whether we're at at the end of our days and we're going to make that step of faith trusting Jesus that he's gone before to prepare a place for us. And when we make that choice to trust and have faith, then our hearts find peace, and then our hearts find 
the blessings of God. Do you remember what Hebrews 11.6 says? Without faith, it is impossible to please God because those that come to him must, be, must believe that he exists, right? And that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly or diligently seek after him. That's the lesson the disciples had to learn. And we know, they, we know they get it because as we look at the book of Acts, we see Peter, the one that denied Christ three times, we see him launching in a preaching ministry that changes the whole world. See, once they got that, that they could trust what they don't see, that they could trust the Father, they could trust the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit who will indwell them, they changed the whole world. Come with me, keep your finger in John, but take a look at the transformation that comes out of Peter, someone that, well, he denied the Lord three times, and look at his understanding of who Christ is, who God is, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This is the guy that denied him three times, and the transformation happened in his life when he had faith and trusted in God and the work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This is Peter's confession. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has precious and very great promises that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We know all of that because we can skip ahead a few chapters. The disciples are struggling with this because they don't know what's to come. And Jesus comes to them and says, as you believed in God the Father, believe also in me. For it is, John 16, 17, for it is to your benefit that I go back to the Father so we could send the Holy Spirit to indwell you so that you'll never be alone. And that, my friends, if you can grab a hold of that, you, you're going to square away. And we'll still cover them chapters verse by verse. But if you can grab a hold of that truth, you're going to understand chapter 13 through 17 because it's the disciples that are living with what they see and God is calling them to have faith and trust in what? What they don't see. And that is where you and I live. And so when transitions happen in our life and when our heart is troubled, we're in that same place as the disciples and as an act of our will, we put our faith in God because he is good, Hebrews 13, and he'll never leave us or forsake us. Now, when we look at the rest of these verses to verse 14, Jesus is going to 
do three or four things for the disciples to help them grow in their faith, to help them grow in trust. It's the same things that we can grow in. Jesus is going to talk to Thomas and to Philip about the personhood of who God is, who Jesus is, but who the Godhead is. And the Godhead is what? It is Trinitarian in nature. And so Jesus is going to blow all the circuits in these guys' mind, talking about the Trinitarian nature of God, and then he's going to talk about his power and his promises and how to access those power and promises through the work of the Holy Spirit in prayer. And those are the same things that we, when we're in that transition in life, we have to take a step forward. The disciples didn't sign up for it. They didn't want to go there. They didn't want to be alone. Same way with you and I. We're in that place. We might not have signed up for the transition, but as we understand the nature and character of who God is, that he loves us to the end, he'll never abandon us, that as we accept the promises and power that come through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and as we access those promises and power through the Word of God in prayer, our heart is settled, and our heart comes to a place of peace because we're no longer trusting in what we what? And what we see, we're trusting in what we can't see, that's the place of the disciples, and that's the place that you and I live in. And so when life comes like a wave, we're to trust in a good God and have faith in him and pray to him to access his power and his promises and his presence in our life. Now, there's a lot of alliteration there, which I love. There's a lot of P's there. But that is the Christian walk. We live not by what we see. We live in faith in what we don't see. And when we have faith in a God who's provided what we need, he is a rewarder of those that seek after him and trust after him. And so if you are troubled in heart, there is a deep well of Bible truth that we can put in our minds and access. How would you access that Bible truth? By what? By faith and trust in the God who rose from the dead and ascended on high and sent the Holy Spirit to us. By the way, this Sunday is 40 days after Easter. What happened 40 days after Easter? He ascended on high, sent the Holy Spirit to fill the disciples out of the promise of Acts 1-8, and they changed the whole world. You say, Conway, I thought you were going to deal with the text. Well, it's impossible to deal with the text unless you put it in its context. But let's come back there, and we'll pass out the rest of this. Thomas said to him, verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? 
and Jesus reveals to Thomas his personhood, that the means to the Father is through the propitiation of the Son. The means to the Father is through the atoning work of the Son. Take a look at the text. Jesus said to him, you know it well, you can say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There was this priest, monk, Thomas Akempis, and wrote a book called The Imitation of Christ, one of the best-selling books, devotional books of all time that was written around 1420. Thomas Akempis parses out this one verse in an extraordinary way. He writes this, Follow thou me, pronouns about Jesus. Follow thou me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which thou must follow, the truth which thou must believe, the life for which thou must hope. I am the way, the infallible truth, the never-ending life. I am the straightest way, the sovereign truth, Life truth, life blessed, life uncreated. If thou remain in my way, thou shalt know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And thou shalt take hold of eternal life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is revealing his personhood, his nature, in his character to Thomas. Look at verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him, and Thomas is still what? He's still clueless. And Jesus does a deep dive into the nature of God and expressing that nature of God, the personhood of God, as Trinitarian in nature. Why is he doing this? He's bringing them by the hand to the place of the unseen. He's bringing them by the hand, saying, trust in me, because my Father, John 16, John 17, all, especially Jesus' great prayer in John chapter 17, Father, I have completed your work. I have lost none except the one given to perdition. And Father, I am placing all of these that you've given me, I'm placing them into your hands. And the Father says, oh, I just glorify the Son. And the Son ascends to the right hand of the Father. And the Father and the Son, they look at each other and said, let's just blow their mind." And the Father and the Son look at the Holy Spirit and say, go get him. And the Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind at Pentecost and fills the hearts of the disciples and they go and change the world. How are we to live our lives? Are we so tethered to what we see? Or can we be untethered and have faith and trust in a God 
who sends his spirit to indwell us so that by faith we can receive all the promises of God. Jesus connects them to faith through the personhood and the nature and character of God. There's two more things we got to cover, so I, I kind of got to run along here. Uh, Philip's next. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. <laughs> it's enough for us. Philip just, Philip's like a, a, a like typical charismatics, you know. Just give us a burning bush, Lord, and we'll believe. Just reveal yourself to us. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way it works, Philip. The way it works is you have faith and trust in the work of the Spirit. Come back to the text with me. You'll see it. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said to him, the Scriptures lack tone, but I think right about now Jesus is pretty exasperated with these fellows. He says, I have been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip. And whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Look at verse 11, and once again, you see thematically that the way through transitions, you know, when we're taking that step into the unknown, is to believe and trust. Why? Because of the nature and character of God is that he's good. He rewards those that come to him, and we can trust him. Believe in me that I am in the Father, and the works in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now, there's two other things in the text that Jesus helps the disciples to learn. How do you live by faith? He says, trust in the promises and trust in my power. And then the third thing he's going to show the disciples is how do you access those promises? How do you access that power? The first, verses 11 and verse uh, 12 and 13. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. How's that so? Well, Acts 1.8, and all through the book of Acts, we see the fulfillment of that even into our own day. You know, Israel's a very small piece of geography. It's about, th- it's about 30 miles, uh, excuse me, about 60 miles long, and in different places, two, three, four miles wide. Jesus' ministry was confined to all of that space. What Jesus is saying of the promises and power is that when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to go through all the world. Great example of that that you'd all say amen to is the ministry of Billy Graham. How many people did Jesus preach to? Well, the largest crowd, I think, was about 10,000 people when he, when he fed the, fed the 5,000 men and the women and children. How many people did Billy Graham speak to over his years? Hundreds of thousands. There's a promise and there's a power that the Holy Spirit brings to us. It started at Pentecost, and it goes on to today. Last thing, 
How do we access all this? Verse 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, what's the promise? How do we access? We access it through prayer and the Word of God. God is so good to us that we know in Romans 8 that when we struggle with, we don't even know what to pray for, what does the Holy Spirit do? Works in our heart, prompts that right prayer, prompts us to have the right attitude. Now, I know almost everyone in this room is a mature believer. When we pray in Jesus' name, what are we praying to? What is the context? What is the content of our prayer? It's according to his character. It's according to his nature. It's Matthew 10, 6. Not my will be done, uh, uh, Matthew 6, 10. It's not my will be done, but it's your will to be done. It's not my kingdom to advance, but it's your kingdom to advance. In closing this morning, the disciples are in a place where they are panicked. Their trust and faith has always been in the person of Jesus who they could see and touch. Great verse for that is 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4. They could touch him. They could hug him. They could eat with him. All their expectations about a future kingdom, but he's going. And so Jesus takes them by the hand and says, says, guys, I got a better way for you because I'm going to go back to the Father. And when I go back to the Father, I'm going to send the Spirit to indwell you. So you'll always have the presence of God in your life. And so have faith and trust me that I'm going to get you there. We live the Christian life, the exact same way. None of us have had a burning bush experience. If you have, come and talk to me about it. None of us have had Jesus visibly appear to us. If he has, come and talk to me. We all live by what? By faith in Christ who loved us and gave his life for us. Amen? Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's table this morning.